less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cashflow Contractor interview. What's up, Cashflow Contractors? We've got another great episode today with Amy Brooks. Uh, she is an incredible businesswoman and has been doing this since she was a kid. Uh, you're you're going to love her story about starting in Oklahoma City under her grandfather and then her father. And now she is a third generation business owner of City Carbonic, uh, right in the heart of Oklahoma City and where all the growth is happening right now. And it's really cool to, to hear her side of the story. Um, she's very much a contractor these days, but she's got a recurring revenue model to her business. And new legislation is both helping her business and affecting her industry as a whole. I hope that you'll find value in this episode. It's a lot of fun, uh, very conversational, and yeah, enjoy. Martin, you know, what, Khalil, you always start this. Okay, you start it. Go I'm going to start. Yeah, you start it. This is September 8th. I don't have to say the year because this will endure forever, I'm sure. But something happened on September 8th. Was it Pearl Harbor or D-Day or something? On No. Khalil Benalihaj was born. Look at that. I don't know the year, unfortunately, but today is your birthday. That's you true. It is. So how old are you? I'm 31 today. What were you doing when you were 31, Martin? <laughs> 31. Oh, I was running grain elevators in Nebraska. Okay. Uh, what was September like? September was just before harvest got started, but it was busier than heck because you're getting all the facilities ready greasing things, trying to find things that break down before you're using them, which never happens. <laughs> and then uh, at the end of September, corn harvest would start and it would run through Christmas. Maybe it'd be over. And that was seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I, matter of fact, I would lose an average of 25 pounds. In harvest season? During harvest, yeah. Wow. Just because you're working that hard? Just working, no time to eat, stress. Yeah. Wow. You got hundreds of trucks coming in. And anyway, so yeah, I don't miss that. I'm glad I did it, but I don't miss it. We've, we've got a, a guest on today that has, in one way or another, something to do with the harvest, but it's a different kind of harvest. Ooh, great segment. Look at that segment. <laughs> Whoa. And we Amy, didn't plan that. Did we, we didn't. Hey, Amy, yeah. how are you doing? I'm good, Khalil. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was a good segue. Yeah. I mean, wow, that was really creative. I yeah. like that. Well, you got to think on your feet sometimes. Um, Amy. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you so much. And, yeah. Uh, awesome. I'm, I'm glad I get to spend it with you guys. The 30s are the best. They are? I loved my 30s. You know what? We're changing the subject here, but I'm 69, and I'm here to tell you that the 60s are better than the 30s. Diane and I talk about it all the time. It just gets better and better. You know, at some point, I'm going to hit the wall and get Alzheimer's. Maybe that's like, maybe it'll happen today. <laughs> and by the way, what's your name? <laughs> Did you hear that joke about two ladies came out of the doctor's office, elderly ladies, and the friend went, and, the la and one lady went in, the friend was out in the lobby and came out and said, well, what did the doctor say? He said, he says, I got Alzheimer's. And he just goes, oh, no, that's terrible. And she goes, well, at least I don't have Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Goodness gracious. We can cut that out, I guess. No, we don't have to. And I've been personally affected by that, so I have the moral right to, to make a joke about it. I feel it. like everybody so, has. It's so common. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I spoke to my dad for my birthday this morning, and he told me 31 researchers show that 31 is the best age. Really? 
And he says that to me every single year, no matter what age it is. He just tells me, oh, 30 is the best age. I'm serious. I mean, it really is a matter of health. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we'll do another segue into how Amy's in an industry that may help Alzheimer's. I don't know if it does or not. Yeah. But it's supposed to help everything. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's medicine for a lot of reasons. Yeah. 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 We're foreshadowing. We haven't said what it was yet. Yeah. Well, Amy... We know that you listen to the show, and you even before this referenced the fire trucks. So here you go. Yeah, you've got the fire, the fire trucks. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Let's introduce who you are. Um, your company is City Carbonic. We'll get to talking about that a little bit, but give us a little, give our listeners a little bit of a background on you. Well, I'm Amy Brooks. I am the managing partner at City Carbonic, which is my family's business. I am third generation uh, in the business. Um, I have been essentially running the business, I guess, for about 25 years now. Wow. And, um, yeah. Yeah, very cool. And based in Oklahoma City. Yes. And you were just telling us about your your grandfather's house that was built in 1907, the year of statehood here in Oklahoma, or a young state. Um, very interesting. And the building you're in, that area, has been a the, that was the settling point for a lot of people in Oklahoma, right? Yep, yep, absolutely. Very, very interesting. So, no, there's an interesting story that was that ground was staked out in the uh, land run in the land run of 1889, and I just read an article years ago. They everybody went in, hit their stakes, and got their plots and everything, and it was a city. I mean, it was set out to be a city. They forgot to put any roads in. So the army got logs and drug them behind horses, north and south and east and west, and they went right through your your plot. Your plot, tough luck. Mm. Wow, oh, we're gonna need some streets. So, right. Anyway, I had no idea. Yeah, it's amazing. There's probably listeners out there who have no idea what we're talking about because I didn't. I felt like land run was kind of common knowledge, but that's probably just because I grew up here in Oklahoma. But yeah, land run, basically the government. Took land away from an Indian yeah, reservation. It used to be a celebrated thing, and I'm, I'm quite certain a lot of people don't celebrate it now. <laughs> yeah, right. From, right. The, from the other side. But right. That's where uh, people know University of Oklahoma or the Sooners. Yeah. And it was Boomer Sooner. And Boomers were people who lined up and took off at the cannon. Yeah. And the Sooners were the people who were already out there from last night. Yeah. And drove their stake in. Just got here. Right. <laughs> so we're named after, I mean, it's common knowledge that we're yeah. pretty much named after criminals. <laughs> <laughs> the Sooner State. Yeah, the Sooner State. The well, criminal state. Uh, City Carbonic, let's explain what that is. And yeah. it's it's a little bit, I mean, it's the same, but it's different today than it was when you first started. So let's go back to what it was like when you first started. What was City Carbonic? And what do you do? So in 1944, my grandfather purchased an existing company. My grandfather was a plumber by trade. And he purchased, uh, the company was uh, at that time called the Brian Beatty Company. Okay. And at that time, plumbing and CO2 gas were fairly closely related. Okay. How so? Um, well, in order to um, uh, pipe the systems, you know, they would use a plumber. Okay. Because 
I assume there was no other skilled tradesman to do so. Gotcha. Oh, okay, for setting up the for setting plant. up, setting the, up the, plant. the systems and yeah. stuff like that. And back in the well, CO two is the first gas to be packaged in cylinders. Okay. Of all the gases, oxygen, nitrogen, helium, uh, air, etc., it was the first gas to be packaged. Okay. So it's been around in cylinders since the late 1800s. Oh, wow. Yeah. So What's the significance of that? I mean, I understand that CO2 is an important gas in the world, but you probably understand how much it, really the significance and the importance of it better than anybody. Why is CO2 important? Yeah, how's it used? So CO2 is used as fire suppression in okay. buildings and whatnot. So, you know, it's a life safety product. Um, it is used in medical applications as well. Um, it is used to freeze food and part of food processing. Is, is uh, dry ice CO2, is that right? It's okay. the, the solid form of dry right. ice, yeah. CO2 is unique in that it can be a solid liquid and a gas. Gotcha. And so that's one of the unique characters about it. And part of why it is so popular as a product. Um, it's also widely used in beverages, soda pop, uh, carbonated water, um, beer, wine, yeah. um, and whatnot. So, and then, of course, used to enrich cannabis grow facilities to make their plants bigger better and which is a, a huge part of our conversation today so yeah, absolutely. um started in the 40s it's mm -hmm. been with your family ever since when was the first time you stepped foot inside of uh city carbonic i grew up in city carbonic <laughs> <laughs> um, there are lots of tales to go along with that and in the same building same building yeah, okay. since uh the since the we did have another location but that street building and whatnot is not even there any longer. So my entire life, uh, it's been at 406 Southwest 4th Street. Wow. So, and I, I, my earliest memories are just, excuse me. <coughs> uh, my earliest memories are, um, you know, just hanging out at the shop and um, remember walking down the street to the grocery store when there was still a grocery store down the street. Wow. And it was very much a residential neighborhood. Oh, it was. And I remember filling my first CO2 cylinders when I was probably six or eight. <laughs> wow. And can't, can't do that nowadays. That'd be child labor Yeah, issues. well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. And so, yeah, I got started at an early age. Yeah. Family business, third generation, that's... That, you know more statistics on that, Martin, um, that most businesses don't. Oh, most don't make it to the second generation. To the second generation, yeah, right? Lots, lots of reasons for that. But yeah. One of the main reasons is most businesses don't have somebody like Amy's dad and then somebody like Amy, right? What do you Who, mean by that? Well, disinterest, uh, want to go to California or yeah. go to New York. And, you know, growing up around it, they just don't have that fire and that interest. And you... You have to be completely engaged to be a really successful business owner. And it's just hard to find that. Yeah. If you have enough kids, maybe there's one in there. Yeah. Uh, but it just usually, and there are other reasons, but that's, that's kind of the general reason is somebody has to want to do it. You got to want to, as Jack Stack said. I think a lot of it has to do with perspective. As with most things in life, it 
our perspective about things is sometimes not always it's maybe skewed and so you know it, and, and I know growing up in the business and my dad was gone a lot because he was growing the business and whatnot and when you're young you maybe only see well my dad's not around or my mom's not around or whatever that case might be and it takes maturity and other things to lead you to a perspective to understand why those things happened and why that was important for the company for the family for all of our employees families and some people just never mature into that i think mm -hmm. and and i've seen that personally in my own professional growth as you know how when i started out in in the company and i thought that'll never be me or you know whatever nothing specific but just in general having those thought processes that um, you know I'll never do that and then yeah. maybe something changes and then the time comes right. and it's time to do it and, not, not and your perspective yeah. about things yeah. changes and yeah. so um, I think that's a lot of reason maybe why some families just that's carry there's on a, read it recently and heard it before but somebody walks in and you say what you know bricklayers out there what are you doing I'm laying bricks and another guy says I'm building a church and the third guy says I'm honoring my God they're all doing the same thing but they have different purpose yeah and I don't know that it's possible to force that on anybody well I, I, I don't know where that comes from but when it I think maybe that's what you're honoring God a little bit yeah right I mean literally but also metaphorically you, you are engaged. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and not because I had to. I, you know, I never felt pressured to be the next generation. I, it just, it, it happened very naturally in my memory, that is. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, there's definitely challenges with it. And I would definitely not say that it's been easy. Um, it has been an honor to to continue the legacy that our fa that's in our family, and you know, even to raise the next generation. I was gonna well. say you might have the next one. Yeah, already there. On, on Twenty-one the, years old. He'll be twenty-three in November. Twenty-three. So. So. And you think he's gonna be the one to take over? Yeah. yeah. He's you're gonna have to have figure out bookkeeping, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> helping him dip his toe into yeah. it a little bit at a time, but yeah. yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the applications of CO two. We've talked about its importance, and who were your primary? You know, you, twenty five years ago, who were the main customers that you had? Who were the target audiences out there? Uh, so, <clears throat> twenty five years ago, and in my career, anyways, uh, our primary focus was beverage. Okay, so you're targeting like the restaurants, or are you targeting like the Coca Cola plants, or is both. it both? <laughs> yeah. Both. Both. Yeah. You yeah. kind of have yeah. the big cash cow in the Coca-Cola plant, but then you have the restaurants probably doing yeah. smaller amounts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, what was the service area that you guys had? Was it just in Oklahoma City or was it statewide? At one point, we served the five-state area and we were growing by, a, could have grown by a state a month. Oh, wow. At, in, at that point. And, and when was this? That was so in... Let's go back just a little bit in the company history. 
in the early 80s, my dad decided to get into bulk CO2 distribution. And that was a very um, uh, he was a very early adopter of that uh, type of distribution. Okay. So, like I said, CO2 has been delivered in cylinders since the 1800s. Right. And until the bulk CO2 became a common common thing uh, in the industry, that's how we delivered it. And so you, ba- you basically hauled around a bunch of steel with a little bit of liquid CO2 right. in it mm. for restaurants and all the other applications. When the cryogenic bulk tanks became a thing and, and what's, we, our, what's that? we then became, uh, we then were delivering molecules rather than steel. Right. So big tanks sitting at so the So instead of gas. delivering 20 pounds of CO2 at a time, we would deliver three or four hundred pounds of CO2 at a time. Wow. So larger capacity makes, and, and the advantage was you can deliver more CO2 in one stop. The advantage to the customer was they didn't have to handle cylinders anymore. Mm. So it was safer for the restaurants, uh, safer for the managers and the people, and, and they had a better continuous supply for their fountain mm-hmm. than having to change out cylinders. Because when a cylinder ran out, you'd have, you, would stop dispensing a, a good tasting beverage. Right. And so somebody would have to recognize that and then go to the back, change out the cylinder. So you had an interruption in your quality beverage service. Right. And, and beverages are a very high profitable item for restaurants. Yeah. And so it's really important to deliver a, a, an excellent quality beverage. Let's say, uh, what, what do you think the, or maybe you have, good details on it, but what is the profit margin on like a drink? What do you think, what does it cost to make a a Coca-Cola drink? You know, at one point my dad said that, um, the most expensive part of a drink is the cup. Wow. And it's, yeah. And actually, uh, it's, it's, I I don't know the exact number. Sure. The, uh, brother-in-law used to have McDonald's and it's been a while, but the ice also. Yeah. The cost of the ice. But you're talking three cents. Wow. No. That's that's you know, so crazy. Four, if there's a you know there's these, inflation going on, if you're buck ninety nine for a coke or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I mean you can't. Two dollars is cheap for a drink at a restaurant yeah. now. Like you go to Chipotle or whatever, it's three bucks. Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. But what's what's crazy is um, free money. I've been meaning to talk about this in the podcast. Actually, if you if you live in Texas or Oklahoma, maybe there are in other states too. Have you seen HTO? Yes. Oh, is that the TEA? Yeah. 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 I've heard about it. I've never seen it. They only sell iced tea. tea. Only thing on the menu. And they have lots of different kinds of iced tea, but that's the only thing. And I guess it's not much different than a coffee shop. But I just, I don't know. I I, I thought they were laundering money, but you, you drive by. <laughs> you, you drive no, by. No, they're the criminal activity that needs to have laundered money. Yeah. Well, that's Starbucks. Is it is really three tea bucks for, Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Are, are we sure about well, that? Well, you got the, they got the special, uh, got to be 21 to enter area. There. Yeah. No, but I mean... <laughs> Seriously, like they—they're packed. The drive-through yeah. is always busy, and uh, they're popping up everywhere. Yeah. There's also Swig, which maybe you guys yeah. service. I don't have no idea, but they only do. It's, it's a soda store. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And I just—I don't know. It—it it baffles me that people go to these places and spend four bucks on a drink. But I mean, I people go to Starbucks and spend seven dollars on a drink. So who am I to judge? Well, and our company history goes back to 
before soda was even bottled. So wow, it, 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 that's interesting. In, the, in you know, but when my grandfather got into the business, you could only get a soda from the, the pharmacy. local pharmacy. Yeah, and it didn't. Dis, it wasn't dispensed like it is now. You know, you got the carbonated water, and then you added the syrup to it. Yeah, and you know, the I've got it, a it, uh, yeah. I mean, it was and. And even on our company, we used to sell syrup even, and we had a private labeled syrup as well. We, uh, my wife yeah. bought me a soda stream three or four years ago, Christmas present. I'm going, soda stream? I probably drink three liters a day of just carbonated water. I love it. And one time I said, well, I'll try the syrup. So I put the syrup and then carbonated it. It doesn't work. You don't do it that way. No, you don't do <laughs> it You spend the rest of the day cleaning up the kitchen. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> so anyway, just for our listeners out there, and, carbonate it, then add the syrup. Yes. Yeah, so, so on the soda stream, the is water that, has to be cold. Yes. Because they, they won't hold uh, carbonation if it's not cold. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. on the soda stream, do you like, do you test how, like, can you make it varied levels of carbonation? <laughs> yeah, and, I put it to the max. The <laughs> bottle swells. <laughs> really? No. Well, actually, it it really does, doesn't it, Amy? No, I use the Max all the time. Okay. Interesting. Well, interestingly well, enough, we brought SodaStream to Oklahoma in the '80s. We were a SodaStream distributor. Whoa! I didn't know they were by, the, by that name. It, yes. Really? Before it became Consumer. mainstream and right. in the big box retailers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you want to talk how much and it, and how much was, CO2 you're again, buying in one of those things? It was very forward thinking. You know, my dad was so excited to have this great new product where people could save on, you know, uh, plastic bottles and cans yeah. and, you know, customize their drinks to their preferences. And it was just, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's still a great idea because it's very popular now. Yeah. But uh, it was it was too early. Too early. It was it's like the Apple Newton, you know, the iPads. Everybody's oh, they're so new. The Apple Newton probably was in the early nineties. Yeah, it was a tablet, just like I mean, wasn't just like now, but you could do all everything with it, and it like just a palm went palm away. Kind of. And then all of a sudden, here comes the iPhone, the iPad. Whoa! So time, yeah. time has to be right. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. But you know, Absolutely. that's that's the thing. Another use of it is uh, used to be in water treatment. A company we dealt with water treatment and CO two is used for that too. CO that's the point. Uh, matter of fact, I have yes, I have uh, a publisher as a client who's Pool Pro magazine and uh, she'll kill me. I can't remember the name of the other one, but you mentioned that one time in her presence, and she wants to follow up. But what it does is lower the pH of water, so scaling and things like that in swimming pools and water filters. But that's what it is about. That's why I drink it. it well, that's because oh, you've got that. scaling has, going on inside you. I've got a lot of scaling. I got a lot of scale. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, it's it's that sharp twang, twang, whatever twang. we want to call it. Feel that twang. Effervescence. Effervescence. That's, yeah, that's that's the way you say it in Vogue magazine. In Oki, we it's got some wang to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is probably I don't know if this is a podcast conversation, but we'll make it one. In carbonation, I'm talking to an expert, I might as well uh, bring it up. So I actually really like soda water too. Um, and I can tell a difference in the size of the bubbles 
I don't, maybe this is crazy, but when you Whoa. drink Topo Chico, oh, it's oh. a different like kind of pick that you get uh, in French. You say sapique. Uh, it picks the, at your that's mouth. That's Wang, right? Maybe that's, that's what Wang. We call Wang here in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's not thinking of the same thing that you're thinking when you say Wang. Well, you no, know, you're thinking of a different one, yeah. and I did not say that. <laughs> so and the Twang, let's call so it So the twang. quality of your water okay. does make a difference ah. in your delivered product, your dispensed product. Okay. And so I think, and I could be wrong on this, but I think Tapo Chico yeah. is made with mineral water. Ah. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm almost positive that's their secret sauce. And it... I don't gotcha. taste things very well, but I can tell Topo Chico. It has yeah. a difference. It, it, it just is better. It yeah. does, yeah. And brought to you today. Add a lemonade. By a Topo Chico. To that. Oh, it's oh, good. Oh, God, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. They've actually got, I mean, I don't drink a lot, but their ranch water is a very good beverage. Um, so let's let's talk about, you know, we've had other family business owners um, on the podcast, and a big thing as the business passed over from generation to generation is the transition of ownership. And, um, I, I think everyone's got a unique story there and it's always a very difficult one from what I've heard. Maybe it wasn't the case for you, but I want to hear about your transition from ownership. I don't know if you have any details from your grandfather to your father, uh, but more specifically, you're in a man, you're in a partnership now with your father and how that transition took place. And I want to point real quickly. It's a real partnership guys, um, a legal entity, which is different than saying, Oh, that's my partner over there. So won't go into all of that partnerships can be really complex but you really are a managing partner of a partnership yeah so you know er, early on when i started to take my place in the company and you know realizing that my you know things are uncertain always yeah and i wanted to make sure that the company was in the right place if something happened. Sure. So that I didn't have to worry about the company or you know, my mom or the family or whatever the case might be. And <clears throat> I, my dad has, is, is healthy and is, has always been healthy. And so, you know, it's just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, it's a risk. Yeah. When, and, and even though you think you have things completely situated, there's still a risk that you don't. Meaning yeah. for succession? For succession, yeah. 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 Because things change, the laws change, and, you know, situations change and whatnot. And so I, it was very important to me that if something happened to my dad, or for me, for that fact, that the company would be okay, and that I would have the opportunity to, or maybe not the opportunity, that I would, the company would be okay while I dealt with my dad's passing. Sure. Because that's that, you know, he deserves that. Yeah. And my family deserves that. And so I, it was a very difficult conversation to have. And I sat my dad down and I said, we need to get to a point where the company has transitioned to, for succession from you to me. 
so that when you pass, or when I pass even, if you know, that neither one of us has to worry about it a whole lot. Yeah. That, you know, I I can grieve my loss, the family's loss, the company's loss, and not have to worry that now I have a legal battle to right. deal with, or maybe not a battle, but just it's a peace of mind, I guess. And it was a very difficult difficult conversation and you know the company you know was set up in the 40s you know and here we are um you know late 90s and <clears throat> a lot changes the yeah. laws change and my grandfather passed when i was 6 months old so i never knew my i never really knew my grandfather and there was there was some messiness in in the, the existing company then and and I didn't even know that you know right how and would you? you know my my whole concern was just that it it's the adult responsible thing to ensure that the company is in the right place if something <clears throat> happens to its principles yeah and um, it was hard it was a learning lesson and it was a challenge and I think it made you know, us better as a company and me personally, just having gone through that. And, you know, so now, you know, when it comes time to bring in the fourth generation for ownership that um, I think having been through that once already is, is, yeah, that, know, is good. That's so. more than a conversation though. There's a point where you bring in attorneys and trust attorneys and things yeah. like that and codify all this, right? Yep, yep. And, yeah. I mean, in my mind, it's everybody understands if there are going to be fights or misunderstandings or jealousies or, you know, equity balancing, get that done now, yeah. not after somebody's passed. And, you know, your tent, this is a lot different company than it was in the 90s. Absolutely. I mean, I, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> somebody who might not have been interested in it uh, in the 90s might be really interested in it now. Yeah. We need yeah. So, yeah, well, I think that's an important thing for listeners to understand, even if you're not running a family business, that's an important concept to have just for your life. Absolutely. Because, you know, you're not, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Sure. And you actually got me onto this, Martin. You were talking about a... Uh, Trust? Yeah, but you, 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 had a, you had a term for it. Um, you were like a one-day list or a, what is oh, it? a death list a death list that's yeah. what you called it yeah but you were like hey I, i'm gonna have all this sorted out so if that i'm if i'm gone you know, you know it's we, all we need out. to have somebody on and do that yeah, yeah we really do because it's so important to have those conversations i remember listening to a interview of will smith not the most popular guy anymore but uh <laughs> he he thought his dad was gonna pass um and it was like a cancer situation or something like that and he was gonna only have um you know I think it was three weeks or something like that. Wow. In those three weeks, he sat down and had every single conversation that needed to be happen, emotional, logistical, whatever it needed yeah. to be. Um, well, three months go by and he hasn't left his dad's side and they talk about everything and anything under the sun to where now there's no worry that when he passes, it's like we've covered every base. He ended up living for another 10 years. And the, wow. the next 10 years were some of the the most like impactful years that he had with his dad because they were there was never that untouched base in those 10 years and there was so much 
clarity and truth and meaning behind every interaction, you know, uh, and they treated every interaction like it could be the last. And I think that we don't do that often enough. We're so worried. We're so focused on the things that are happening today and the things that we have to take care of right now that we don't really take a step back and think about the succession plan for our business or, you know, how we're going to have our death list of what, you know, what's the will, so where's the trust. So quickly stuff. on that too. It's, it's what I call the difference between changing oil and running out of gas. Everybody knows you need to change the oil in your vehicle, but I don't have to right now and I'm busy. Yep. But if you got to get gas, you got to go get gas. Yep. So that, this kind of planning tends to be in to change the oil. And one of the things, and we'll get back to gas here because there's a lot of interesting <laughs> stuff. But when you do have a death list, I tried to reduce everything my wife wanted. To, she goes, give me a piece of paper and put it in the dresser. And it's got everything on it. I mean, who the advisors are, what bank account. I mean, she's got her own. I need to know where hers are, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's got it all on there. And the problem with that, if you do that this weekend and you look at it next weekend, you it's go, different. oh, crap, I changed all the... Anyway, so you have to... Yeah. But at least there's a starting place. You've got advisors. You've got places to look. You've got, oh, we're in this bank and that bank. But yeah. So you're still doing that, too, are you not? Can I tell a quick story? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. So the first time that I got to run the company by myself, I was a senior in high school. My parents had earned a vacation from one of the, com from one of the companies we did business with back then. Um, and so they had not been on a vacation I mean, vacations weren't something we did when I was a kid. Sure. And I remember one <laughs> that we went on as a family business, as a family. But anyways, so so they were going to, I think it was Cancun. Right. I mean, this was like an, a really big deal for them. And so they ran the company together. And so they didn't have anybody to run the company. I was working in the company, but I was still in high school. Yeah. So I took a couple of days off of high, out of school to to come down and run the company while they were gone. And my dad says before he leaves, he says, if anything happens to us, call the banker. The banker will take care of everything else. And so that's that was that? that was his sage advice. And. You know, so well, I, I look back having, at that and I'm like, well, I mean, the banker's really important. And yes, absolutely. That would be my advice. But also, I mean, in, in hindsight, I wasn't even a signer. So there wouldn't back then it was probably something he could have done. But nowadays, if you're not yeah. a signer and you don't know, yeah. <laughs> it ain't happening today. Well, the other thing I deal with lots. Well, all of my clients were looking for building a highly profitable business that can work without the owner. Uh, you can get close to that with real quality employees, mm -hmm. but what a blessing to have a daughter who would come down and run the joint, right? Yeah. <laughs> Probably a little nervous. I mean, I'm guessing. Oh, I, I was terrified. Know. Yeah. What if I, they I come mean, in and ask me a question I can't answer? They give me money or they, you know, what do you, but that engage, that's, that's a, uh, everybody's looking for that. Yeah. I mean, they don't necessarily want to hand well, it off today. It was today, before but. computer systems and, you know, stuff like that. So, it, you know, it wasn't like we could run it remotely or anything. Right. And I don't even know that I talked to them while they were gone even, you know. So it was like they were out of the country. Yeah. And that was a, I mean, it's such a big deal. And um, it was one of my fondest memories of, you know, of being in the company is, yeah, you know, being there so they could... Go on a vacation. And, and go on that vacation, which they so deserved. And, yeah. So. Martin, I just thought of a story you mentioned 
paper systems and before computers and uh, pizza shuttle. Mm-hmm. It's an establishment here in Norman, uh, pizza local pizza place. They've got three locations here in this city. Um, my friend, tennis coach, uh, had to get reimbursed for purchasing the team pizza shuttle, uh, and he lost the receipt, so he had to go back and get a copy. They do everything on paper still, and they've got a closet in the back with file cabinets of receipts that go back for, I think, every five years. And they went and they found the day that he had purchased it and then went through each like paper written receipt, like written receipt, and found his card. And I mean, I just, I laughed so hard because I I thought, I didn't think that, especially like a restaurant, like I'm sure there are some businesses that can still operate like that, but someone that's doing that many transactions and still using paper The search systems. function involves a flashlight. It's probably... Uh... <laughs> well, isn't it fantastic that they actually did that for him? Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of places would be just like... Sorry, uh, we, we can't have, find it. We don't have that information. I mean, they're organized. So, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, is remarkable. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, so... Uh, it's you, customer you, service. Yeah, for sure. So, so you, you had that conversation with your dad in the 90s. You set up with attorneys a legal partnership mm-hmm. um is it just split 50 50 is that how it works or z more um he's majority okay he's majority still yeah. um but you've set it up to where now as succession continues when he passes and so on and so yeah. forth that it's going to be okay and yeah. it's going to be yeah. proper yeah. right we got to tweak it some more but yeah it's... yeah you'll always have to tweak it yeah. but you're not going to have to overhaul it <laughs> yeah I, I i'm a i feel a lot more confident and comfortable with it you know where it is and and we're working on revisions and how long did that process take um so it seems like we started it maybe in the summer of 2011 okay and started with the attorneys and whatnot and i think it was officially formed in December of 2011, we went through the first quarter on the old company of 2012, and then second quarter, April 1st, 2012, is when we went live with the new company. So, really, like, had to set up almost all 10 new, months, all new tax accounts, yeah. you know, you get, it's, withholding it's sales tax, a new, I mean, it's a new entity, and yeah. it was really, it, it was kind of like a fresh start. Mm-hmm. For a really old company, um, I started over with new books. The whole night, yeah. Wow. So. And that's the thing. Like, that's why it took ten months to do it, and they were all healthy. They were all like, you guys were intentionally working on it. Mm-hmm. Imagine like when someone's not healthy, and you're trying to figure all that out. Like, yeah. you know, someone's got cancer, whatever it is, and you've got to try to work on this. You can't grieve properly. You can't right. do the the things that you want to do. So, absolutely. You know, I, I worry for, especially my generation and the generation below me, um, that these important, you know, pillar things, these oil versus the gas, like your analogy, um, are going to be so overlooked because we're training our brains with the technology that we have today and the, the, the way that we're pulled into just the urgent by notifications on our phones and FOMO and all this kind of stuff that we're only thinking about the urgent. We're only thinking about the gas in our car and never thinking about the oil. And if this is the way that we're gonna operate businesses and 
handle family dynamics and all that kind of stuff, there's, there's real issues there. I, uh, the only, I agree with you a hundred percent. The only thing is, I don't think it's a subgenerational thing. It's true of every generation. I mean, I don't oh, know I what percentage, so but I probably 80% of people don't have a will, which would be the most fundamental, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what do I need a will for? I don't know anything. Well, you know, there's stuff. So there's stuff for sure. But we have to do it. We have to do a podcast on that. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll we'll find someone who can and bring in. Yeah, somebody really qualified, so it's not me for sure giving legal advice. Well, let's let's talk about um, the the transition of the business uh, to you know the growth that you've experienced recently. Um, we've talked a lot on this show about growth by you know executing great strategies. We've talked about growth by uh, implementing key players inside of your company. We've talked about growth by acquisition. Um, by, you know, expanding locations, all sorts of things like that. Um, growth just by having better systems, right? Mm -hmm. We haven't talked about growth by entering new markets and newly created markets, Mm -hmm. uh, in two, was it 2018? Mm -hmm. What changed in Oklahoma? They legalized cannabis, (laughs) medical marijuana, medical marijuana, but a very relaxed Mm -hmm form of medical marijuana, like almost anybody can get a medical ID, right? Yeah. I mean, our, our laws start off very, um, very loose, I guess. Um, they didn't put any restrictions on, on how many license, uh, for dispensaries, grows, processes, and transporters. Um, and that's unique. That's fairly unique. Um, a lot of the other states that have gone through the legalization process, have restrictions and will limit the number of grows, dispensaries, and whatnot. And you know, there's you know, there's some strategy to go with that. Sure. And you know, I, I can't really say what what our state was thinking. Um, I can only say you know what it has done for our company and sure. you know our the part the role we play. So what in the in, world has CO two got to do with? THC. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a great question, Martin. Um, CO2, as you know, is a naturally occurring um, gas. environmental yeah. gas. Right. And it is what makes the leaves on in plants and, and trees green. And it's what allows plants to photosynthesize, or it's one of the nutrients for plants. Right. And um, so... Plants take in CO2 and they respirate oxygen, which is what we use, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Right. So in the medical marijuana industry here in the state, the, a very large percentage of it is grown indoors in controlled environments. It is a medical product. And yeah. so by growing it inside, they can regulate temperature, pests. Light all their nutrients to grow better products, yeah. a medical product. And so CO2 is part of that. When you put a bunch of plants into a room, they will compete for the ambient CO2. Just mm. like if you put six people in an elevator. We're competing for oxygen We're competing right now. for the oxygen. Well, yeah, I mean, and even sure. here, you know. Um, but it's just something that we don't really think about until we don't have it. Right. And so, you know, when you've got a bunch of plants in a room and they're all competing for the ambient nutrients, light, CO2, water, um, 
by enriching the environment with CO2, it helps them not compete. Yeah. It helps them live better and grow better and to be healthier plants because they have what they need to be healthy and increases the THC level. Um, it, in, it expedites their growth. Um, they can some, in some cases trim a month off of the growth cycle. You know, so it's I about saw... a three to four month growth process, and <clears throat> which, you know, and, and so we can help speed that up. Yeah. So they can get more crops, you know, and in, crops. in their space. They get bigger crops. They increase their yield somewhere between 20 and 40 percent. Wow. Yeah, that was the one yeah. I was like, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a it's a no brainer. You need yeah. to be, if yeah. you're growing indoor. Really, if you're growing indoor tomatoes, same thing. You need to enrich. Yeah, the... there's only like two plants that don't do well in in a CO2 enriched environment. Okay, and I think it's important that listeners understand, especially if you're not in Oklahoma, what the the market looks like. I mean, you see a dispensary almost on every corner in Oklahoma, but also, I would say the grow houses are just through the roof. Like there's yeah. so many of them, and it's not. It. I mean. There's not many people that are growing outside. It's almost all indoors. I mean, I'm sure there are there, there are some, grows, but, but it's primarily it's indoor. Yes, and uh, it's a big deal to be used to be using CO2 inside your grow house and not to be. I mean, it's yeah. nine day difference. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, new market for you, <laughs> and yeah, and it's a <laughs> not just a new market, but like a booming market where everybody's trying to build these grow houses, get their systems installed because you're not just doing selling co2 you're also selling the system is that right that's correct and so it's uh it's really created a a much higher demanded use of your service i mean what's the difference in quantities of co2 that a restaurant uses versus a grow house <laughs> a so a restaurant on average will use a, a fairly high volume restaurant may use 400 pounds of co2 a month okay and a, a cultivation facility <laughs> may, just depending on the size, sure, may use six tons of CO two a month. Wow! So I mean, if you're, I mean, let's just say that you were selling, you know, a dollar a pound of CO two. I have no idea what it costs to the restaurant. You're selling four hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. To <laughs> to the grow house, you're selling six thousand dollars a month. So just completely, or 12,000, yeah, a ton is 2,000. They get get it for a little less, so. Right, I'm sure it's, I'm just giving numbers there. It's unbelievable. I mean, that's crazy to think about, like, if I'm a construction guy, and I'm, you know, doing plumbing, and all of a sudden there's this new type of business out there that wants plumbing, and they want to sell it to me for, what's the the percentage there of increase in use? 400 to 12,000. Yeah. Is that 3,000? It's 25 times more. 25 times more. Yeah. Something I mean, just doing. crazy. So, yeah. Anyways, really interesting to see. So, yeah. when did you understand? Was it before the law was passed that you understood this was going to be something because you saw it in other states? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What yeah. was your plan of action when it did pass? Well, since we're the oldest CO two company in the state, mm. and um, you know, we really have a, a great niche in that in that segment of the industry. You know, we did have the conversation of, are, are we 
are we going to even touch that market? Yeah. Or are we going to, you know, I mean, it's federally illegal. Sure. You know, so those were some of the hard decisions we had to make was we either are going to support the industry Mm -hmm. and we had no idea. I mean, and we started looking, we started the rumblings in the industry have been there for many years and I'm, I'm a very active participant in the in the industry on a lot of different levels with yeah. a lot of different companies and you know so we saw that it could potentially be something or it could be nothing at all mm-hmm. and so we started doing our due diligence and we had uh, we had we were in the bulk CO2 business from the early 80s until the late 90s when we just when we divested that segment of our company. Mm. And so we got out of distribution or delivering CO2 at that point. Okay. And so we had a 22 year vacation <laughs> or retirement, I guess, from delivering CO2 gas and doing bulk CO2. When this opportunity and this industry looked like it was gonna be something here in Oklahoma, we had to decide are we going to get back into that? Yeah. Or what is that? What is our part in that industry going to look like? And, and we didn't have any idea. I mean, it was all very much speculation. Yeah. And we just we decided that we were going to be part of it. Yeah. So let's go back to why you got out of it. Why did your father and maybe yourself at that time as well? But you said he was he got into the bulk. It was a brand new venture really in the industry yep. and he was growing you were, could have grown at a clip of a state a month yep. uh, but you were in a five state area what happened well um we faced some uh challenge some challenges with capital okay and um we needed to build additional distribution facilities mm. to be able to serve additional states and whatnot and it was Laws were changing, regulatory laws were changing, and my yeah. dad was tired. I'm sure. You know, and I was up and coming in the, indus- in the company and in the industry, and my dad asked me, what do you think we should do? And I said, I think we should probably take advantage of the opportunity to, to divest it and sell it. Yeah. And it was an amazing opportunity. It was great for the family. It was great for my dad because he was compensated for his many, many years of hard work and building the company. And, yeah. and but you didn't whatnot. sell your company, you sold that We sold assets. We, yeah. we sold assets and we sold customers. Right. We retained the company and the location and we just refocused on a different segment of the cylinder industry. Right. And that's, that's where I came in and that's where I started my career essentially was after the sale of of that segment of the company yeah and um so i really learned the company after the sale and that's that's where where my niche has been gotcha and (laughs) we you know when this came up about it was i didn't know anything about or i shouldn't say i didn't know anything i didn't know as much about delivering CO2 and cryogenic systems and all of that stuff. So I had to learn all of that. And I still don't know as much about it as I do the cylinder side of things, but 
Um, well, the other thing it's, you it's, did was... It's been was, quite uh, an adventure. But I was just, glad my dad was still around. Yeah. Because my dad is the one who really had that knowledge. expertise. Yeah. And so, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm just glad that it happened the way it did. Well, just to reiterate a couple of things that if people look at this now and maybe hear some of the numbers or proportions that we'll talk about the success you've had, well, man, that was, that was a no-brainer. Well, it wasn't a no-brainer. Didn't know. <laughs> didn't know if uh, these guys that are doing grows are going to get busted in Friday, and some of them have been, or it's going to all be a big gold rush and then they're all going to collapse. And uh, Didn't know about the laws. And it's still federally illegal, by the way. Yeah, and it's still yeah. illegal. <laughs> And they, they have sometimes some unusual me- methods of payment that yeah. that's just there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the stuff. other so that that's when I first kind of knew you this was being considered. There was another thing uh, that was a kind of a tipping point decision. That one we're going to go do this. Two was I remember talking to you. I said, "Well, you need a salesman," and you said, "I am the salesman." <laughs> I said, no. Wasn't that precious? Yeah, that was so cute. So, well, yes, you are. You're a very good one, but you're also doing all the books. You're managing operations. You're dealing with everything at the plant. You know, you're ordering product. And I was so tired. Just scheduling, and you're doing all that stuff you needed. And you pulled the trigger on that, which was not insubstantial. Got a, I'm going to say lucky. I mean, it was not just luck, but you got a good one the first time. Yeah. And he blew it up. And then you, in addition to selling gas, took the time to learn the law, meaning fire marshal type law. CO2 isn't a poison, but you get over 1,500 parts per minute. Natural, walking around is 400 right now. That's causing climate change. They like to enrich to 12, 1,300, Mm -hmm. something like that. If it goes to 1,500 parts per million, it's more a danger of asphyxiation, I think. Well, asphyxiation doesn't occur till we're up around 30, 50,000 ppm. Okay. So it's much, But they much, want you to get out of there at 1,500, right? Oh, isn't yeah, that where the so alarms go off? It, CO2 can asphyxiate you. If you. It will deplete the oxygen in your body. So too much of it is a bad thing. And it will... For us. It can kill you. And so, you know, when we're intentionally leaking off CO2 into a... A room. We want to be make sure we do that safely. Yeah. And so that was one of the early decisions that we made was, if we're going to do this, then we want to make sure that we're doing it safely and help our customers understand that this is a fantastic uh, concept, but we have to do it safely. Yeah. And so you know that. That has been part of, of and that that manifests as equipment, yeah. uh, sensors, alarms, yeah, actuators that open up vents and things like that. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's what also makes you more of a contractor is that you're actually yeah, installing you the, the stuff. Thing. You're Correct. doing the build out. We're dealing with building permits and yeah. city and state yeah. permits, um, licensure, and yeah. And I, I think that you know we we've talked so many times about how shortcuts lead to dead ends and people that you know make decisions that go against the law um, or the regulations or whatever, it ends up coming to bite you if you're not doing it right. And I think that's where, um, you know, you can really set yourself apart. It can be a unique value proposition to be the expert at 
the regulations, and I'm talking mainly specifically about the fire marshal, city mm-hmm. codes, reg, yeah. you know, all that stuff. When you when you are the expert in that, and you actually have the city officials, the fire marshal on your side, I mean, I can't imagine that you have a competitor that's getting a, a smoother process with them and more referrals than you are yeah. from the right. mar- fire marshals. Because ultimately, you probably get uneducated buyers who are only calling you because the fire marshal said that they needed to call you. Is that happening? Yeah, we, we get maybe. that quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe. And, and maybe the fire marshal gives them our name. And I, yeah. it's so important to do things the right way and to value those relationships the way that you do because it can really make everything so much easier for you as a company. And I'm sure you guys experience yeah. that on a daily basis. A lot of times we will get calls because the fire marshal's been around and the company that they were doing are doing business with doesn't install the equipment and they just will put the gas out and it's the customer's responsibility to get it piped and all that stuff. You know, it's like um, <clears throat> doing doing your own plumbing in your own house. Yeah. Versus hiring a plumbing contractor. Right. You know, or something along those lines. Yeah, for sure. It can be done. <laughs> but you might make some mistakes along the way. Yeah. And this is a life safety product. and yeah. Or this is a life safety concern. Sure. And, you know, we've got 100 plus years of company history. Mm-hmm. That's really important. And people's lives are really important. And right. safety is really important. And so that's, you know, one of the things that I learned early on in my career from my dad he really groomed me to have that culture of if we're going to do it, we're going to do it the safe way and according to regulations, compliance and whatnot. Do it right. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, um, when, when play by the rules and when, when by the rules. Yeah. You, you started working with Martin around the time, I believe, well, maybe a couple of years after it passed. I don't know. Um, 2019. 2019. Was so a year really? after. Yeah. So uh, the emphasis at that point was on your books and, or I mean, uh, many other things, yeah. but the books was definitely an emphasis. And we talk about books all the time on this show. How has bookkeeping and just the reading of financial statements influenced the way that you operate your business today? Well, um, when we uh, when we started down this current trajectory, we didn't have any debt, and the this segment of our industry of our company is very capital intense. It yeah. requires a lot of assets. And what are these assets? Like, give listeners an idea. Cylinders, bulk tanks, trucks, service vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so. So I had to have. I, I. I. didn't just have you know the money hanging on the wall to go and buy those assets. <laughs> and so we had to you know to find partners to help us you know get started and you know get uh, to a point and and uh, I didn't didn't. I thought my books were really good, and they were good. And they they, they were weren't good. bad, they were. but there was a lot, of, just a lot of it's things. Reorganized I didn't know. to make things more visible. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know debt service ratios, and you know, I didn't, I, I didn't understand that aspect, and um, you know, so having good books and improving our books 
and making decisions that are um, with the books in mind and you know and one, one it's, thing a, it's a tool we for look us, at, you know to just be a better healthier company mm-hmm. you, you didn't say it but we do it every time but uh, the things are split out you know where your margins are coming from mm-hmm. bulk sales cylinder gas sales for beverage uh, testing and inspections so you can installations which which we can look at and say well if the installations stop what are, where are we going to be and the debt service it, I wish I could say exactly what the little formula is, but I want people to know. But you buy certain assets, and they are paid off in a certain amount of time, and then continue to pay off going forward, which is magnificent. But during that first part there, uh, yeah. you, you're paying out more than they don't necessarily they don't cash flow, but they absolutely make money after about three years or in that Five range. Years, yeah. So it's a little bit Depends of a risk to do that. We talk about that every time we mm-hmm. talk, you know, where are we, what would happen if it quit? And, well, and and that was one aspect that I didn't remember from when we did it the first time. You <laughs> know, when my dad's, you know, took the chance to buy the bulk tanks and whatnot. And, and in the 80s, when he started, he started off by putting the tanks out at no rent, just, just to just show people how it worked and to get to get the market going wow and yeah that's really risky yeah it it, it really was and yeah it, so wow so things have completely transformed um we won't share numbers but your company's grown tremendously yeah. um in the past well, three can, years not the specific numbers but We'll, I'll clap my hands so we can cut this out if you want to. <laughs> clap it again when we start again. But your profit this year, thus far, is greater than your sales were five years ago. Yeah, yes. Okay, we can leave that in? I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and, and one of the, this is a great point, and this is what we said earlier, but I'm going to rephrase it. My book is titled, They Say we make, I Make Money, So Why Don't I Have Any? Well, that's where we are. The amount of money you're making now is, as a percentage of sales, is almost ridiculous, almost unbelievable. Matter of fact, that's a, a gauge of the quality of your books. I've told you many times. If I didn't trust your books, <laughs> that you're keeping your books, and, and I know that, and I saw the numbers that you gave me, I would say there's something wrong here. we got to go fix it, right? But you're making all this money, but that doesn't mean that you have semi-loads of money out there because right. you're having to buy the assets. Yeah. You're not going to go broke, or you're not. Out we're going to we're going to die the, trying not to go yeah, broke anyway. This <laughs> tremendous wealth that you're accumulating, or at least tremendous, is a comparative. I don't know that I would say wealth. <laughs> well, it. I mean, we, it's. A we pretend, are. Yeah. Uh, we have resources to yeah. buy the assets that we need to support our customers right. and our clients. But as it keeps going, it's a it's a really a good value-producing machine that you have. Yeah. But it, value doesn't manifest itself as truckloads of cash right, right away. Yeah. So that's kind of the... the well, it, it's a long game, right? Right. And I think you're set up for that because yeah. you've, you've been... The company's been around for 100 years. It's been passed over three times, probably going to be a fourth time to your son. Mm-hmm. And... We talked about timing earlier about, we were talking about tablet. I don't even know if we were recording at that point, but we were talking about um, the uh, Apple Newton yep. and how it just is wrong timing. 
and maybe how for your father the timing just wasn't right for the soda stream and how timing wasn't right for the um the your company at that point to do the the bulk co2 Mm -hmm. but now the timing has fit and you've been playing this long game really since the beginning and since your dad got into the bulk co2 and now it's finally coming to fruition i mean to the point where like you were able to capitalize faster and at a better uh with a better installation service because of your father's expertise yep and your expertise have doing this your whole life i mean you're even a consultant you just got back from japan and consulting them on their systems (laughs) so it's it's a long game and i think that's an important thing for listeners i talk to contractors all the time that are wanting to add services or add you know go into a new market or whatever it is and they're not having that patience And I think so much of your success and the success going forward will be because of your patience and your willingness to play the long game. Um, We talk about delayed gratification quite a bit on this podcast, but it's such an important thing. And we've been, a lot of companies have gotten into working in the cannabis industry because, you know, it's a gold rush. It's a gold Uh, rush. Jump in. Yeah. And, you know, we are so grateful for our, our clients and the opportunity to, to, to serve our customers and not just our cannabis, but every single customer. And it is not for our company. It's not a gold rush. It yeah. is, it is, this is our business. This it's is a well. our family's live livelihood. And we don't intend to be here just while cannabis is here. No. We intend to be here as long as humanly possible, another hundred years if possible. And uh, so it's not a sh- yeah. It's it is definitely a long game for us. Yeah. And it's a well that you want to continually draw from, not a gold rush where you want to cash out. You know the yeah. metaphor yeah. of gold rush is great because California gold rush. The people who endure Stanford, which the university is named after Kellogg, the guys who went out there and really made it big in the gold rush, never dug an ounce of dirt. They sold the pickaxes and the eggs and the chickens and the coveralls and the Levi's which I happen to be wearing were gold rush they were the people who supported the gold rushers right they built the enduring that's so interesting I didn't know that yeah Yeah. so one thing we haven't talked about and we didn't talk about before this and maybe I'm off base here but um, carbon capture has been a huge thing in the really globally uh, because of climate change all that kind of stuff but uh, I know that there have been carbon tax credits uh, given out for carbon uh, capture and storage and, um, and utilization as part of that. I think it's 45Q is the tax law. And the Inflation Reduction Act just passed last month. And that increased the incentives like 3x at least. I mean, you can make quite a bit of money on, on this stuff. Does that have anything to do with your business at all on the carbon capture side? We're kind of the opposite. Well, uh, <laughs> well, because you can yeah, still they, we're recycling they are, through them. There are some companies that are sequestering it and right. not not distributing it. And sure. so, yeah, I mean, we are actually in a nationwide CO two shortage. I was going to say the and great irony is a is challenge because of sequestration. Wow. Okay. So that's affecting. I mean, there's you. a lot of reasons for it, but supply um, chain is supply is chain hideous. right now is supply chain for CO two is is like critical. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it, I have never seen anything like this in the, in in our company history. Matter of fact, when we were evaluating risk going forward and looking at buying all these assets, which you got to pay for whether you're selling anything or not, <laughs> the not last thing radar. that ever crossed my mind was you wouldn't be able to get CO two. 
and now it is the issue. So we've so, done an amazing job of selling CO two to not have CO two. Is, yeah. is it, I mean, and yeah. it's very difficult. It's very difficult to 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 tell your customer they're not very happy with us, and right. and I hate that because it is definitely not our intention to not serve our customers. We just don't. I mean, it just it it it, it is. You can get what you it can is get. In a, very, very high demand for a lot of reasons. I mean, there's CO2 consumption, regardless of cannabis or beverage, is at an all-time high. Wow. And, you know, a lot of people blame cannabis. Maybe it is. On the the uses of CO2, on the graph of the uses of CO2, cannabis doesn't even have a place. It's because Swig opened up and they're selling soda. And there's a line... (laughs) Out on the main main roads because of it. No. Well, we need to start taking helium and using it instead. And then you get those two German guys that have helium beer. Oh, I've never you've seen never that. seen that. Oh. That's pretty old. But these two, I mean, it's, oh, I guess it makes it carbonated so like too. Carbonated yeah, coffee? yeah. They're drinking beer. These they're two German guys. It's funny. They're that. drinking helium beer. Helium. Then. Yeah. Just uh, Google on, or YouTube helium beer. I'm not going to make Lauren guys. put that in the show notes. Because right. that would be too much. No, it, it's unbelievable. But they're carrying, you know, and they're cracking up. And that's so good. Helium that's okay, so that's affecting your industry pretty big. So that's yes. one of the that's one of the challenges moving forward. And that's be, do you think it's because people are getting paid to sequester it and to keep it yeah. from being utilized? That's, that's part of it. Uh, part of it's logistics. Not enough CDL yeah. licensed drivers. Um, CO two is a byproduct. Right. Of several different processes, um, ethanol production, fertilizer production, natural um, gas, natural gas, um, and so there's a process that has to happen in order to get through the liquefaction process to get CO2 captured so that it's in a place where we can use it and sell it. And if the feed source, the ethanol plant, the fertilizer, whatever, if, if that goes down for whatever reason or has other environmental um, challenges, you know, if it's a bad year for corn, they're not making ethanol, which means they're not making CO2 also. Right. During COVID, a lot of people stopped driving cars. So ethanol demand- Went down. Became almost non-existent. Yeah. And so a lot of the ethanol plants stopped producing CO2 and a lot of the distributors in the nation suffered then as well. So it's so interesting because I think the you know there's there's pandemic impacts that have happened to everybody, but really legislation has had a big impact on your business in terms of the boom with cannabis, but also now with this carbon sequestration and the the value and money that people are getting for doing that service and how that can impact you. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting because I think that sure legislation can impact contractors, but you you don't see very big examples like this that are very obvious and in the news, yeah. you know, um, that often. So it's really interesting to see. Well, man, this has been a really interesting conversation. Uh, I think that the value that listeners can get from this is to understand so much about the transition of ownership, uh, the value of playing the long game, and uh, being patient. Uh, the value of paying attention to the laws and to legislation, but also going by the book, operating that way. There's Making timely decisions. Timely decisions. Deciding to do it was uh, yeah. hiring, the hiring a salesperson. We hadn't got to it, but you've also hired a general manager. 
to free you up. We've hired different help with the accounting. So yeah. we've made a lot of decisions that are kind of scary, but mm-hmm. bite-sized chunks yeah. and done it and it's paying off. And making the decisions using really good books, like right. high, high quality books. Um, very, very valuable. So how can people connect with you where, if they want to reach out to you? Your website? Yeah, uh, citycarbonic.com is no our website. S. No, no S. S on the end. It's, yeah. <laughs> City Carbonic. <laughs> um, and uh, so I can, uh, you can reach me via email, amy at citycarbonic.com. Okay, perfect. Well, it's been great having you on, Amy. Thank you so much for Thanks joining for us. Me, and, yeah, we hope to, to talk to you soon. Yeah, it was great. Happy Appreciate birthday, it. Khalil. Yeah. <laughs> well, or, this is where we're going to cheers with a champagne toast. There you yeah. go. Cheers. <laughs> There's CO2 in champagne, too, right? <laughs> I think it is. Uh, you know, I don't know about that. I think it's naturally occurring. I don't know. It honestly, is, but I think it's CO2. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's yeah, only so champagne if it comes from Fran- yeah. an area of France, right? Right. That's true. Yeah. So. They don't have CO2 in France. <laughs> they they outlawed it. <laughs> It's all sequestered okay. there. They're going to have soda there either. The <laughs> yeah, I've got to find out what it is. Okay. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, guys. Hey, Cashflow Contractors. Thank you so much for checking out this episode with Amy Brooks. We were so thrilled to have her on. Please go check her out on her website. You can find it in the show notes. Also, please go share this episode. Share our podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Do anything you can to, to promote this show for us. We'd really like to grow our audience. And we appreciate everything that you do for us. Always a pleasure. We'll see you on the next one.